Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello and welcome. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy and commodore of cocktails. So happy you're joining us today, every Saturday night, 6 o'clock, right here on 570 KVI. It is May. It's May Day. It's uh, May 2nd, 2015, and I'm so excited about Mother's Day coming up. I uh, hope you're going to treat your mother to, uh, or that special woman in your life, uh, to something great in her glass, or perhaps uh, take her to brunch at Salty's, or take her over to Walla Walla, get invested in the wine, or if you just want to make it a short day trip, go up to Woodenville. Woodenville Wine winecountry.com. It's got all the details for a great tasting experience. Check out uh, Barking Frog or uh, Chateau Saint-Michel, of course, but there are literally a hundred plus tasting rooms available, and I'm certain they will all be open on Mother's Day. So make some plans, uh, and if you want to look even further ahead, uh, and the sun is shining, it's been shining all last month and all this month. Excited about the Rosé Revival. This is an event that my pal David LeClaire puts on. It's in June. It's over at Ray's Boathouse, June 18th. Mark your calendars now. If you want to get, uh, you want to think pink, you want to drink pink, you have to go to the Rosé Revival. SeattleUncorked.com has got tickets for the June 18th event out at Ray's Boathouse. And uh, I uh, have the pleasure of hosting um, a cool cat in the business. His name is Paul Zitarelli. He is founder of a company uh, called Full Pull Wines, fullpullwines.com, and he's a cool, super cool wine guy, and I want to say, Paul, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks, Christopher. So, um, I don't know if our listeners know you, because you are, you've been an internet-based uh, wine retailer, so let's talk a little bit about your history. Where are you from, and how did you sort of get into wine? Yeah, uh, I am from uh, the suburbs of Philly. That's where I grew up. Uh, I got into wine soon after moving out to the Seattle area, which was 2004. Uh, it was the first time that I had lived anywhere uh, close enough to wine country to kind of get out into the vineyards. Um, I had always been crazy about food. Uh, my parents like to tell stories about how when we were kids, I would, uh, you know, years after we went out to a restaurant, I would still be able to remember what, what I had ordered and then also what they had ordered and uh, used to freak them out a little. So, <laughs> um, uh but I had never lived. I had ne- never lived near wine, and so we moved out here in 2004, and um, and I got bit by the bug pretty quickly once I got out and um, saw the vineyards, met some of the farmers, met the winemakers, um, and as you know, it's one of those topics that uh, you know the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, and so it's kind of this rabbit hole that you can keep going deeper and deeper down, and I'm. I'm deep down the rabbit hole at this point, you know, 10 or 11 years later. What brought you to Seattle in 2004? We moved out here. uh, We'd been living in Boston, and we moved out here in 2004 uh, because my then-girlfriend, now-wife, got into a graduate program at the University of Washington. So we thought it was going to be a two-year jaunt to the West Coast uh, and uh, two years in Seattle. Um, But, uh, you know, 
here we are uh, 11 years later. You had a beautiful summer, I'm sure, that sort of said, welcome you to the uh, the blue skies you've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. So fun. So did you have a, a gig right away when you came in 2004? Were you in the wine biz, the restaurant biz? or No. Uh, the first couple years, um, so I was, uh, I was an applied math major, and my first couple years I was still working in, uh, in consulting gigs, um, and my wine focus was mostly on uh, drinking it. Uh-huh. Uh, so... Uh, but I kind of knew during that time that I really wanted to try to transition my career into um, into wine. So I stopped that work in 2007 and went back to the University of Washington, uh, the Foster School of Business, um, to do their two-year MBA program, specifically with the goal in mind of uh, of shifting into um, into a career in wine. Um, so at that point, I was going to school, um, sniffing around retail and distributor gigs and internships. Um, and I was also writing a, a Washington Focus wine blog. Um, what was that called? That was called Sword Fern Wines. Sword uh, Fern. It was, and that was uh, that was originally going to be um, Fullpool's name. And I got very lucky uh, that somebody pointed out to me that the uh, the emblem of uh, New Zealand wines is a sword fern. That's and, true. Uh, Made the very good point that uh, people may very well think that uh, that I was selling New Zealand wines, which would not have been the case. So, uh, and that was, I think, probably would have been kind of a terrible name. So I'm, I'm uh, I got very lucky there. Uh, but dip that, your sword into wine. Now, that'd be something <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I uh, so I was writing that wine blog, and then I also used my time at um, at the UW to. Uh, on the one hand, look for look for jobs in the wine trade, um, while also sort of on the other hand, uh, starting to flesh out a business plan for if I wanted to start my own thing. So back in Philly, you had uh, some interest in wine and beer. I imagine you had some Genesee and Little Kings experiences. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my one of my earliest uh, memories is my dad uh, telling me to go down to go down to the basement and grab me a Jenny. So we were we were a Genesee beer family, uh, Genesee cream ale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I didn't really grow up in a in a wine drinking family. I grew up in a beer drinking family. Um, my folks have gotten into it now a little bit um, through my passion for it. But um, but yeah, I, I don't come from a family that had uh, deep roots in wine. You don't send them a mystery box from fullpoolwines.com <laughs> once a year on the quarterly. They do get, they the do get something like that. They do get something like that and they enjoy it. That's cool. Well, let's talk about, I mean, everybody has uh, an epiphany wine or almost everybody. They tend to have an experience or a place where wine resonated with them and they, they had uh, ignited this passion. Where perhaps might have your passion been ignited? Yeah, um, you know, for me, um, for me, it was uh, it was my first trip to um, Walla Walla and the Walla Walla Valley. Um, we went out there, and we had kind of um, we'd been slowly working our way uh, east over the years. So we'd gotten as far as Zilla a couple times, and and, <laughs> and loved that. But oh four oh five, what are we? What uh, year is this? This is probably oh five oh six. Okay. Um, but there was something about the Walla Walla scene that really grabbed me, and it was um, it was the the closeness of the community there, the um, the lack of pretension, the fact that in a lot of ways it still felt like uh, an onion farming town where some wineries had happened to to crop up, um, and uh, so the people were great, the wines were fascinating. That was the first place where I started getting my head wrapped around notions of uh, of terroir and the fact that. Um, something for a wine from Seven Hills Vineyard would show very, very differently than a wine from Pepperbridge Vineyard, and that kind of that kind of blew my mind. And that that was just another step down the rabbit hole. Like, wow, this is fascinating. Now there's 
geology and geography and culture and all all these other interesting aspects. And so that trip really uh, really pushed me over the edge. So you're a big Washington wine fan, I imagine, having. Uh Started your inspir- ignited your inspiration and passion. Uh, what about world, the world of wines? Do you have other areas where you've said, you know what? I, I obviously that rabbit hole probably has a left and a right turn down there somewhere. Um, where do those turns take you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one of the uh, one of the things that's been interesting for me is my uh, the deal that I made with my wife when when I started Full Pull was. Um, that she agreed to keep the job that she had at the time for at least two years because uh, it had great health insurance and everything. Um, and my end of the bargain was that uh, that I always had to keep a, a case of sparkling wine on hand at all times. So uh, that, that's been one way, and that's been true to today, and that's been one way that I've really uh, explored the, uh, the entire world of wine is through the prism of, of sparkling wine. So um, obviously champagnes and cremants in France, but Cava's, Prosecco's, um, weirder, you know, weirder categories, um, Lambrusco's, uh, um, Francia Corta. Francia Corta, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, so we, um, we drink a ton of sparkling wine at home. Um, How about that sparkling Shiraz? Yeah, that's a little strange. <laughs> uh, I can't say that we have a lot of that, uh, around, um. Well, Mother's Day is coming up, and you think about sparkling wines, and I, th- I always think about Mother's Day brunch, very classic, um, and a lot of people drink mimosas, so they think, well, what what sparkling wine goes best with mimosas? So give me your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I like, if I'm going to drink, uh, if I'm going to make a mimosa, um, you know, orange juice is a pretty assertive flavor, so I don't think you need the... Uh, it's it's probably not going to be a bottle of champagne. You don't need a lot of. Uh, you need to spend a lot of dough on a mimosa. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's a place where I would probably look for either um, something like cava, which can present great value and relatively neutral flavors, which is kind of what you want. I mean, you're uh, you're layering orange juice on top of it, so as long as it's kind of fizzy and neutral, it's going to taste good and go down easy. Um, but also, we have a great uh, local Washington winery, Treveri Cellars, that has. Um, that has great uh, brut blanc de blanc. That's reasonably priced, like fourteen or fifteen dollars, and uh, that makes a fine mimosa as well. Yeah, that's really fun uh, mimosas because people, when you think about the composition of mimosas, it's typically uh, citrus juice, mostly orange juice. But some people get creative and use pineapple juice or tangerine, or rarely grapefruit because you get that bitterness, and nobody likes tannin in uh, mimosa. But um, orange juice can be quite acidic. It's got a lot of acid to it, so I always recommend a prosecco because prosecco mm-hmm. tends to be a little less acidic, a little rounder with just sometimes a hint of sweetness um, and big bubbles. And uh, I think it's two thirds wine, one third orange juice. That's yep. my, my recipe. It sounds about right to me. Ten, it tends to work quite well because you next thing you know, you've had three of them and <laughs> <laughs> brunch is great. Well, so fun. Speaking with Paul Zitarelli, the founder of PullfulWines.com. He's a Philly native. Uh, went over to the uh, world champion New England Patriots town for a while, but now he found his way into uh, the blue and green of the Northwest. Excited about that. So... Obviously, you have a passion for Washington wine starting in 2005, 2006, heading to Walla Walla. And uh, isn't it amazing, the last 10 years, how much uh, wine has grown in the industry has exploded in Washington? Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's, been an, it's been a tremendous time to be here, um, to see the evolution. Uh, what's exciting to me is that I, I think really just now we're getting to um, a phase where Folks are starting to be really careful about thinking through what variety makes sense to be planted in in what place. Um, 
you know, I think in the early days it was a little bit of a Wild West feel of we're going to plant everything. Uh, this is everywhere. my land. I'm going to pl- plant it all and see what happens. Yeah, and like uh, it's my land, and I like Cabernet, so I'm going to plant Cabernet. Um, <laughs> but uh, but folks like um, Kevin Pogue, the geologist out of Whitman, I think are doing great work in terms of identifying. You know what soil types, uh, what aspects of vineyards are appropriate for different grapes, and so um, in the last few years, starting to see things like um, the explosion of white wines at places like Evergreen and the Ancient Lakes uh, and the Columbia Gorge. Um, it's what's exciting about Washington is we have all these uh, all these microclimates that are out there waiting to be explored, and each one is, in my mind, kind of really appropriate for just. A handful of varieties, and so to start to really dial that in about what makes sense where, I think the wines are just going to keep getting better. I totally agree, and it's great to, to have some recognition of the the academics that go into our industry. Um, we can look at the new uh, American viticultural area in the Rocks, or it's called the Rocks District of Milton Freewater, and um, they, you know, Kevin Pogue was the leader for that application for the TTB. Uh, it's, an, it's a federal application, and but he was very specific about exactly how to delineate. Um, that particular uh, AVA. And, and most AVAs uh, around the country around um, are typically defined by county borders or city borders or um, or a line of uh, telephone poles that kind of runs <laughs> east to west or something crazy like that. But the in the Rocks or the Rocks District of Milton Freewater was certainly designed and uh, investigated as a distinct terroir-driven AVA. Yep, and uh, and I think it's a it's a great achievement. It's what I would hope that the direction would be going forward. Because what you want is that the wines that are able to put that specific AVA on the bottle are going to have a unique signature that you can kind of come to depend on. Yeah, much like Napa Valley versus Napa County. And mm. uh, so excited to have Paul Zitarelli, the founder of FullPullWines.com. It's an internet site that's got great, uh, great opportunities to enjoy the world of wines, but certainly Washington wines. And we come back from this break, we're going to dive into uh, some of the uh, private selection wines that he has uh, partnered with different producers around the state and learn about uh, what goes into these particular bottles and uh, how great these wines are. If you have any questions about our guests or future guests or just want to know what to serve at that party, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net and I'll ask Paul if he's got a Twitter handle, but if you want to send us a tweet, it's at happyhrradio. So stick around, we'll be right back. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. It's Saturday night in May, May 2nd, and uh, having a great conversation with Paul Zitarelli, the founder of Full Pool Wines. FullPullWines.com. We're chatting about uh, his background, coming from the East Coast now to the beautiful West Coast, and then going back East to Walla Walla and learning about, uh, well, terroir from Seven Hills to Pepper Bridge to in the Rocks District. So, Paul, um, let's talk about Full Pull Wines. You said you had an idea for this wine after your MBA from, you know, Go Huskies MBA. Uh, Internet retailer, was that the first plan, or did you have uh, bigger plans? Well, the original plan was... uh, um 
so I, I mentioned earlier I had been writing that that Washington Focus wine blog and had really um, fallen in love with writing about wine. Um, so I was really looking for a way to make a living writing about wine. And I looked at uh, the landscape of wine journalism at the time and what uh, Paul Greggett was doing and Sean Sullivan and uh, admired it um, and thought it looked like a really difficult way to make a living. Um, <laughs> so You that... can't feed yourself, but you can drink yourself. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um uh, so that was sort of the genesis of the business plan for Full Pull was, um, you know, how can I make a living writing about wine? And I was frequently getting comments on the blog that were along the lines of, you know, this wine sounds great. Where can I get it? Yeah. So that was that was kind of the light bulb moment. Um, you know, I knew I would be giving up, um, you know, of course, you give up some journalistic purity when you're selling what you're writing about. But I still figured, you know, over the course of a year, if we were if we were choosing three or four wines a week, um, you know, that's still 200 to 300 wines a year out of, you know, the thousands and thousands of wines that are out there. So it could still hold pretty true to my vision and, and write about wines that I wanted to write about. Um, well, it's fair to have an opinion because you're one person and it's your opinion. And, and you obviously you're in it's I call it an invitation. You're expressing this this beautifully written invitation to people who may say that sounds like a fun event, a, a fun experience. And I want to um, to enjoy that by clicking here. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's such a uh, wine is such a crowded category. It's like one of the last great cottage industries. You know, you uh, that I think a lot of folks when they walk into a brick and mortar shop or um, or like a good QFC wine section are just completely overwhelmed by the the number of SKUs that are on the shelf. So and the pricing is oh, is almost overwhelming because you see a yeah. uh, hundred wines at nine ninety nine, and then you've got just the rest. I mean, it's every SKU, every right. pricing point. So I think the service that we provide is we cut through that clutter and we say, you know, out of the thousands of wines that you could be drinking this week, here's what you should be drinking this week. So what year did you start, actually? When was the uh, the business license for Full Pull Wines issued? Yeah, so I graduated the the Foster School in uh, in May of 2009, and Full Pull launched on October 5th of 2009. 2009. Yep. Okay, so just on the, well... We had our five-year anniversary the, the, in October. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, That's thanks. exciting. Five years. And uh, has the, the, the infant, now a toddler, is the Full Pull a toddler? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, becoming unruly. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Talk, speaking with Paul Zitarelli, founder of Full Pull Wines and uh, fullpullwines.com. A great site. Uh, do you sign up for that to get to uh, opt in for email notifications? How does fullpullwines.com work? Yeah, that's right. Um, on the website, we have a really simple uh, sign up where you just give a uh, name and email address. Um, once you do that, we'll start sending three or four offers a week into your inbox. Um, and uh, the first time that one of those sounds interesting, if uh, if you look to purchase something, that's when we kind of have you set up a full account with all your um, billing and shipping info. And uh, after that, it's after that it's really easy. How many people? Uh, how many customers do you have out there in the world? You know, that's uh, that's a number that we sort of keep behind the iron curtain. It's enough to uh, <laughs> enough to have a viable business at this point. Excellent. Well, that's exciting. So, speaking of viable businesses, um, how do you actually find the wines you host or you uh, present on? Full Pull Wines. Yeah. Um, so we're still, you know, when we launched, we were Washington only. We're still quite focused on local wines, uh, Washington and Oregon. They're probably 80% of what we do. And for those, um, I really try to make it a point to get out into wine country and do the do the research as much as I can um, at the wineries. Uh, I think that's served us well in terms of getting some pretty cool opportunities for our list members because they're frankly there just aren't a lot of retailers that make that trip to eastern washington or to the willamette valley and so 
uh, we tend to get presented some some pretty cool things. Um, yeah, when you don't have store hours, you don't have to man the store because you when you you do everything online. Obviously, you can send that at one a.m. and get the inbox. Right. They open it when they want to open it. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why uh, in the early days we. Um, and still to this day, we limit our, our pickup hours to one day a week, which is Thursdays. We have occasional open Saturdays, too. But uh, in the early days, that was because I knew that I wanted to be able to uh, get out and visit these wineries. The, the, otherwise, the writing is just crap, um, I think. If, you know, if you're just sitting in a, in a warehouse um, and tasting wine that's being presented to you by, um, by importer and distributor sales reps all the time, I think it's really hard to to tell a compelling story. And that's how we're trying to sell wine is through compelling stories. And for that, I think you have to get out there and meet people. Yeah, and fresh air, sunshine, good yeah, food. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. And uh, the beauty of the wine country certainly uh, is inspirational for uh, better pros, I imagine. Exactly. Well, um, you having a chance to meet all these great producers around our, our fair state, uh, I understand that you've um, ventured into what we'll call a private bottling selection. Tell us about this. Yeah, so that's been, uh, that's a recent thing for us. Um, and has only been possible because we've grown over the years um, to where we have now long-term relationships with wineries um, and enough list members that we can uh, we can start to sniff out barrels of wine instead of bottles. So, um, so we launched our private label program, which uh, the the first label was called Full Pull and Friends, um, late in 2013. Um, and generally, what we're doing is we're working with. Um, Winery partners that we work with all the time, um, where we where we sell their their bottled wines, um, and in this case, we started asking about you know, do you have any extra barrels that you might like to bottle that juice under um, under a special label for our list members? So that was kind of how Full Pull and Friends came about. Um, so we just had one of those in 2013, and then I think we had maybe. Ten in 2014 because they've they're they've been extremely popular. I mean, our list so members they sell love out, it. so you get to do a new one every year. Yeah, or pretty a new much. Ten, a new <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a new uh, case. Yeah, well, it it gets out of control because of course it's very tempting. And once once uh, more of our winery partners started hearing that we were doing that, um, oh, I got this one barrel, man. I thought you will love it. Yeah, exactly. And some of them some of them should know better because some of them are just trying to pawn off uh, <laughs> not so great juice on us. But a lot of them. Uh, have really, really cool uh, barrels of juice that we're able to uh, put under label, and it's something that's special for our list members that, that folks can't get elsewhere. And uh, Well, we've got spe- three special glasses of wine in front of me. I've got two whites, one's a sparkling, and I've got a red. Let's start with the sparkling wine. Uh, what's this called, and yeah. uh, what is it? Yeah, so this is uh, this is our Full Pull and Friends uh, non-vintage uh, Brut Nature, uh, Blanc de Blanc, which is a mouthful. Uh, what that basically means is it's sparkling wine. Um, it is uh, the Blanc de Blanc uh, just means white white juice from white grapes, and this is all uh, Chardonnay. Um, it's our first sparkling wine project under under the private label, and we partnered with uh, Treveri Cellars, um, a great sparkling wine producer in Washington, um, and they uh, they gave us uh, access to a lot uh, that's mostly single vineyard from a. Uh, a cool um, north-facing site in the Yakima Valley, um, and it's Chardonnay, where uh, we were looking for um, for a bit of a drier style of sparkling wine than than Treveri normally does. So we did something called dosage trials, where we tasted a bunch of different sparkling wines uh, with different levels of uh, dosage or sugar added. Um, we had our whole team taste through those and eventually settled on um, 
one of the driest options, which was, uh, I believe, between 2.5 and 3 grams per liter of sugar. So for our listeners out there, when we talk about uh, sparkling wines, especially champagne style, um, we're talking about very high acidic uh, still wine. And to help uh, round out that acidity, uh, the French, the Champenoise, have added something called a little... uh, back sweetening, a little uh, dosage of sugar, which helps uh, sort of soften that acidity, but also add a little more um, presence to the fruit flavor because we always, our brain associates fruit with sugar as well. Well, uh, I just took a sip of this. Um, I'm truly impressed. I've talked to the friends over at Treveri and said, you know what? I'm looking for something the champagne style, truly high acid, very lean, uh, touch of crisp, well, very crisp, but touch of crisp brioche style. autolysis or yeast flavors and uh, uh, the sugar here this has a long finish and what do you call this wine uh, this is this is just our uh, this is our Brut Natur Brut Natur and uh, it's available online now if you sign up you can get it did you already put this out to the masses we already put it out and uh, much to my happy surprise uh, sold it out on our first offer so it's uh uh, unfortunately, not available anymore. But we're gonna we're gonna have this at least at least once a year. So well, that's it'll be great. Back. I mean, I mean, this is what we want in in uh, world class sparkling wine, especially from Washington State. Is understand what, you, what how they make it, and this is great acidity. Um, it's got a refinement, and some elegance, and the, the, just a touch of sugar, so it doesn't make it like totally like lemon water. Um, and that's important because you you can only take your ass, your stomach can only take so much acidity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, when it's so good, you want to drink two, three, who knows how many glasses or bottles in some instances. Um, what did this retail for? Or excuse me, on your on fullpoolwines.com, what did you sell this for? Yeah, we sold it for uh, most of our list members pay uh, paid about eighteen dollars for this. Wow, that the, the Washington's done it. If you do this again, and I'm so excited to have someone who um, has experience outside of their their own chateau to realize that you can add a different perspective to the winemaking process and to the finished product because um, I know people have their own vision of what their product should be like, but sometimes having a third party come in and say, hey, here's what we'd like to do, they see they can do it and they see the success and the finished product is absolutely gorgeous. So uh, I know when we come back from this break, we've got a white wine and a red wine. So everyone stick around um, on Happy Hour Radio. We've got Paul Zitterelli with FullPullWines.com. Just enjoyed the uh, very Brut Nature Blanc de Blanc, non-vintage, which means it's a blend of several vintages. But uh, we'll tell you more when we come back from this break on Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I have the pleasure of uh, hosting Paul Zitarelli, uh, UW MBA turned uh, UW wine master of, well, can't call you master wine, can't call you master sommelier, just a wine master. And yes, you are studying uh, on the uh, master of wine track. Let's talk about that. Sure, yeah. Um, I have... Uh, I have one more exam uh, in June that uh, that if I pass, uh, we'll achieve um, something called the diploma, the w- WSET diploma, which is basically uh, the last prerequisite before pursuing a Master of Wine. Yeah, it's kind of graduating from college and then t- yeah. getting into the master's program. Yep. Well, the WSET is the Wine Spirits Educational Trust. It's one of three or four um, international organizations that help uh, tutor and mentor and matriculate people in the wine profession. There's also the Court of Master Sommets, of course. And um, 
the wine, wait, uh, the certified uh, specialist of wine. I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. What and is it? Society of Wine Educators. CSW. Society of Wine Educators. That's it. But um, if people wanted to get involved with the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust, do you have uh, some local contacts? How might people do that? Yeah, um, locally, I I believe South Seattle um, Community College I think has a, a they program. have some programs. Uh, Joel Butler, who's a local master of wine, has, yep, he's uh, out of Redmond uh, World of Wines. Yep, that's right. He uh, he does some classes. Um, the The level that I'm at now, unfortunately, is not offered in Seattle, so I'm uh, flying back and forth to San Francisco for these these classes. Yes, I was um, down there for that one event, and uh, that was a, a preparatory class. Well, very cool. Um, I certainly want to enjoy that. Uh, added wealth of knowledge that's available out there. But let's talk about uh, this white wine that you have for your, what do you call your private selections for fullpoolwines.com? Yeah, so we have we have two different labels. One that uh, that our list members already know about, which is uh, called Full Pull and Friends, and that's uh, that's what that sparkling wine was under, and that's what the red wine is under. Uh, the white is something new. Um, we haven't released these yet, and they're not going to be released until uh, June or July. Um, it's a it's a new private label project. Um, we're calling it Block Wines. The difference is, unlike Full Pull and Friends, where we were partnering with with wineries for uh, barrels of of juice that they had already made into wine. In this case, we are partnering with a winemaker, a guy named Morgan Lee, who makes wine for uh, two vintners and Covington cellars. Um, and uh, I asked him to seek out specific grapes, uh, specific fruit in autumn of 2014 to harvest uh, and to turn into wine for us. So um, we have two whites and three reds. Of course, the reds are uh, another year or two off, but uh, the whites were just bottled a couple weeks ago, so they're probably still too young to, to really be showing well, but um, but we're proud of them, so I figured I'd bring one by anyway. And that's uh, called bottle shock, because I know when we the wine goes through this great bottling machine, which is a technological advancement, um, but it certainly has to uh, take a little bit of time off to sort of gather itself. And um, this wine is, is very interesting. It's got a, a round, it's a very textural palate. Um, the acidity is moderate plus. It has a, there's definitely some lees contact or a little bit of, I don't want to say an oxidator fruit note. Um, tastes like apples to me. Uh, I don't know what's in it. Tell me what's in this wine. Yeah, so this is uh, this is 100% Chenin Blanc. Um, our, uh, our block wine label is always going to be um, single varietal, uh, and it's going to come from a single block of a single vineyard. So it's going to be really, uh, really focused on one specific patch of land. Um, in this case... Um, it's a vineyard called Rothrock. I had I know a lot of vineyards in Washington. I had never heard of that one. Rothrock. Rothrock. Interesting. Um, Sounds like a Japanese sci-fi movie. <laughs> Mothra, yeah. Rothrock. What was a, what was appealing uh, about it to me is that the uh, the vineyard is about forty years old. Um, wow. and, and you find these in in the Yakima Valley, especially um, scattered all over the place, especially with Chenin Blanc, uh, because it was it was pretty widely planted in the '60s and '70s. A lot of it um, has gone to San Michelle over the years. But as the vineyards start to get really old, uh, their yields naturally decrease, and a winery like Saint Michel becomes less interested. Um, so, what sometimes happens on the bad side is um, vineyard owners will just uh, pull those vines Rip up, it out, yeah. and they'll plant Cabernet Sauvignon or something that that's an easier sell. But uh, but some of them keep these these old tree trunk looking vines. Uh, and when Morgan and I went out there and saw that vineyard, I, I just uh, I knew we had to make 
Shannon Blanc. Um, it's just rare to have access uh, in Washington to fruit that old. Um, so that was the. It's true. Even in Loire Valley, I don't think that you know forty-year-old vines uh, may be commonplace, but um, with the Chenin Blanc and Seven Years and Vouvray, uh, they certainly have some old vines. But forty years is old for for any vine. Yeah, it's 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 pretty old. So we were excited about it, um, uh, and yeah, we we wanted to make uh, a Chenin Blanc that was uh, just barely off dry. So. Um, you know, my my goal was to have perceptible sugar, but just barely. Um, and I wanted. A, and we were talking about Mother's Day earlier. I wanted this wine to to be a wine that uh, that my mom would like. And my mom likes uh, German Rieslings, mm. uh, Vouvray, something with a little a little bit of sugar uh, is important. Any anything too dry, and she's pouring it into the into the dump bucket. So we wanted. A, I wanted a style that uh, that my mom would love, and that I would love, and that we could we could share on a day like Mother's Day. Well, I love sugar, and this is all natural sugar. This is uh, fructose, right, or glucose, or sucrose, one of those three. But it's all good for you. It's not refined. Um, a lovely wine, and uh, Chenin Blanc is certainly a cool grape. I, I remember it was one of my early grapes to taste. Uh, I used to mow the lawn with a hand mower, and I would have a bottle of Covey Run Chenin Blanc in my fridge. It'd be Saturday afternoon. Beautiful. And I was just throwing it down because it was, it was just perfect for me. That was 20 years ago when Covey Run was around. Yeah. Well, delish. So they'll look for this. If you sign up for fullpullwines.com, you'll get a uh, email blast sometime in June or July, depending on when this uh, wine is showing well. It's a Chenin Blanc uh, from Rothrock Vineyard. It's a 2014 vintage. Let's talk about the red wine you have here in my glass, and uh, tell me about this particular release. Certainly. So this is uh, this is Cabernet Sauvignon. This is uh, this is actually a single block uh, as well, although th- this is under our Full Pull and Friends label. This is a vineyard called Bacchus. Um, and it's from Block 10, planted in 1972. Um, so that it's 2012 vintage. So uh, this is also 40-year-old vines. Um, Bacchus. Bacchus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was uh, uh, this is from a winery partner that uh, has chosen to remain anonymous, uh, and that is that happens sometimes because um, what we want to sell this wine for, like for us, this is a um, this is about a $30 retail wine. Um, is a little bit lower than uh, than what the what the winery would sell their wines for. So we don't want to. I'm not looking to hurt their brand, but I am looking to give our list members good value for for money. So yeah, it's called the negociant. I mean, you find yeah. an opportunity. It works for both programs because the winery can can s- sort of pick and choose uh, and and know that they have a, a second opportunity to generate recoup some of the costs associated with the wine. So they still make their wine at a good price, good value for their program. But we, you and I, both have a chance to uh, have a wine in our portfolios that is, is attractive and also has great quality. And that's called the, the declassifying, and it's been a, a Bordeaux tradition for, well, for hundreds and hundreds of years, it seems, or more recently in the last hundred. So this 100% Cabernet from Bacchus Vineyard. That's right. Which I think is, uh, we have, you know, Washington State has really the two best vineyard names in the world, Dionysus and Bacchus. Go figure, those weren't taken or trademarked, so good for us for being for, uh, well, foresighted, well foresighted. And those, that's the uh, Wallister family, right? Kent Wallister and Sagemore Farms? That's right. Yep, that's exactly right. We're dying um, to get Kent on the show here. We're always, you know, he's over there tending the vines all the time, every chance. Yeah, he's he's a great guy and a terrific farmer. They've been doing it for a long time over there, right right across the Columbia River from uh, from Hanford. Uh, so it's not uh, not a place that gets a lot of visitors, but uh, but it's it's beautiful in a kind of rugged <laughs> sagebrush desert kind of way. Spies, right? There are people coming yeah. over there. Well, um, delicious wine. Uh, you said this thirteen vintage. Uh, it's twenty twelve. Oh, twenty twelve. Um, uh, so. A warmer year, but this is uh, this is actually the coolest block in Bacchus. So I think it's still 
uh, retains quite a bit of acidity even in a even in a warm year, and that's what I liked about it. It's there's got like six hundred some acres into that whole Sagemore Farms uh, vineyard. It's massive. Right? Yeah, it's really big, which is cool. Um, so 2012, 100 uh, percent Cabernet Sauvignon. Right now, it's showing well. I think is what maybe a year plus of new French oak on here, or new oak. I should say it's hard to yep, say. It's French. That's right. It is French. Um, not a not a huge proportion of uh, of new wood, about a third, mm-hmm. um, but all French uh, and about 18 months in barrel. Yeah, uh, how about that? I love it. He's good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great mouthfeel. Uh, lots of dark fruit. It gets just a touch of tobacco more than the herbal characters that I associate with uh, Cabernet Sauvignon sometimes. And, and uh, obviously, we're talking about the black cassis, black plum, black berry. Um, the, the fruits are ripe but dried. Uh, the tannin here is just, just over moderate, well integrated with oak. That vanilla is, is just soft. It helps sort of give you a, a little cream on those fresh berries of fruit. Um, really delicious. When will this be released on FullPullWines.com? So this one, uh, this one we released um, last autumn, uh, and we've sold through about probably about two thirds of our production run. So I think we'll still have that around for for another few months. Very cool. Maybe someday you'll have a library selection. You keep a couple cases back for the future. Not a bad idea. Well, delicious wines. Fullpoolwines.com. You just got to sign up. Uh, uh, when we come back from this next break, I've got a little wine I'm going to share with Paul Zitarelli. It's a, it's a rosé, and I want to get his impression of rosé. We're going to talk about world class rosé and see if Washington can produce something that is considered world class. I don't know. He's never had this wine. I'm excited for him to try it because, uh, well, you know, he knows what wine is, and maybe he'll write something nice about. It and we'll see if it gets on full pool wines. But stick around, we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. And uh, speaking of rose, looking ahead, don't forget June 18th, the Rose Revival. It's over at Ray's Boathouse, SeattleUncorked.com's got tickets, all for a great benefit. And uh, pink don't stain your teeth, much like red, so you can drink lots and lots. So stick around, we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Breaking down the big stories. Glenn Beck, weekdays 9 to noon on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Uh, so fun to be sitting here with Paul Zitarelli, the founder of FullPullWines.com. And i got to tell you, Paul, um, rarely has one guest been my feature focus. I've had Greg Lill. I've had Tom Hedges. But uh, I'm pretty sure that was the only one. You're up in that stratosphere now. Wow. All right. I'm honored. <laughs> and... Um, well, part of this, uh, the, the format for this show, the foundation of us, is to help educate the listeners around our fair region. And um, for a long time, uh, pink has been considered this uh, vulgar, uh, you know, lowbrow, something grandmas drink when they're out, a little little bit uh, titillating sweet and sour wine. But that's a long time ago. That's way back in the, the early 80s when White Zinfandel became the, the moniker for all pink wines, for rosé. Tell me about what makes world-class rosé in your mind world-class rosé um so generally it's going to be dry uh it's going to have been picked specifically for rosé so that the uh so that the alcohols are a little bit lower um it should be fresh high acid palate cleansing refreshing in the summertime uh in my mind with a few notable exceptions it should generally be uh be consumed in in the year following harvest, um, uh, 
and it should be delicious. It should be delicious, which is really the first tenet of all wines we want to consume. Of course, when we get to be geeky uh, masters of wine and master sommeliers, and we taste stuff that doesn't necessarily appeal to our palates all the time, but uh, rosé is something that um, certainly has seen a great uh, an elevation in the in storefronts. Uh, people... France is, is shipping more rosé. There's more areas. I mean, Oregon's making more rosé, and so is Washington. So uh, this is a Washington uh, pink wine. It is uh, called uh, Pink Coral. It's the 2014 Pink Coral Rosé. Um, let's talk about this wine. Just give me some of the impressions of what you believe this wine. We just we just opened the bottle. It's a screw top. Um, it's uh, made from two grapes, Morvedre and Senso, which are both uh, f- uh, indigenous to the region of the southern France and Provence. 85% Morvedre and 50% So. 2014 vintage. What do you think? Of this wine. Yeah, well, you know, we we consume wine with so many senses, and the nice thing about rosé is that the, the the first sense that you use right off the bat is your eyes, and this is a beautiful rosé to look at in the glass. It, it's the kind of rosé that when I look at it, I think I'm going to like it because it's it's extremely pale. Uh, it's a salmon color, somewhere between um, orange and pink. It looks like it maybe, uh, if I had to guess, spent six to 12 hours on skins? I mean, you can tell me. Um, about, yeah, less than six, actually. Yeah. We, you, for rosé, you, you pick it, you crush it, and you start clapping for the yeast, right? Yeah. It's not that hard. Um, so looks, it looks amazing. It looks pale and delicate and beautiful. Um, you, you sniff it, and one of the, one of the beautiful things um, about this rosé is, um, is the the combination of grapes chosen? I mean, I think for Washington, especially some of the most successful rosés that I've had um, have come from one of one of three varieties: Mouved, Senso, and Grenache. Uh, and this is predominantly Mouved, which might be the most interesting of all because, in addition to uh, to having this beautiful plummy fruit, um, it just has this exotic spice character on the nose that I just can't get enough of, and that's in pretty clear evidence here. So this is, this just smells spicy and summery fruit, you know, like fresh uh, fresh strawberries, maybe even a strawberry that you, you picked a day too early. It's got like a little green strawberry note. Um, mm. Smells just just beautiful and, uh, and has a certain exoticism that I, I find really appealing. Um, well, take a sip, and I'll go ahead and entertain the audience here. <laughs> we got to get that sound effect. <laughs> I like that. Lots of rosés, and rosés tend to run between really seven and uh, twenty-five dollars. There's a couple high-end rosés around Washington, and um, you'll see those at the store, of course. But there's a lot of rosé that tends to be very inexpensive, and uh, we'll talk about what that reason. But let's talk about your impression of the flavor of this wine. Yeah. Um, so I probably notice texture before I even notice any flavor. Um, it is just super bright. Refreshing, uh, mouth-watering acidity, um, just made for a warm summer day or all sorts of different food. I mean, rosé is a beautiful, beautiful food, versatile food wine. Um, can go f- with anything from you know scrambled eggs at breakfast to uh, <laughs> with chorizo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect um, salads, which is not an easy pa- uh, pairing. Um, all the way up to things like chicken and fish and pork. Um, so bright, refreshing, and then the, the flavors repeat a lot of what you got on the nose, summery uh, berry and melon fruits and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of spice, that, that Mouved kick. Uh, I love it. Uh, you are um, very thoughtful in your analysis and uh, very complimentary for this wine. Um, rosé can be um, a little stringent sometimes because it typically it's made from a red wine. Some people use white and add a little red, uh, some like the Champenoise, but really it's, uh, um, tell me, do you like the wine? 
Oh, I love the wine. Awesome. I love the wine. I would drink this all summer long. Oh, perfect. Well, we'll invite our listeners to find Coral Wines at their favorite retailers and perhaps at Full Pull Wine sometime. I hope so. Um, what I appreciate you joining me, and uh, it was really fun for actually you to taste a, a blind wine. You're the first person to actually taste a wine blind that's never had it before on air. So thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. It was a blast. That's Paul Zitarelli with FullPullWines.com. And uh, if you want to try some rosé yourself, uh, join me on June 18th out at Ray's Boathouse. I know it's a long ways away, so you can do some practicing. Go to your stores, go to the Esquins, go to footballwines.com, go to, uh, well, uh, Bin 41, all around, PCC, etc. Pick out some pink. Drink pink, think pink, it's summertime. I want to thank all uh, my crew here at KVI. Kevin, thanks so much. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.